wanna take us up one more level uh, in our Bible reading and our biblical interpretation. During Bible study the last few weeks, we have been doing something called the Grace Walk Experience, something that I think we will be recommending that all of us go through understanding what God's grace is and understanding how God's grace works in our life. So the level I want to take us to when it comes to biblical interpretation today is a level that not a lot of us operate at and not a level that many of us have been taught to operate at. And that level is, <laughs> you're not going to get this in most of the churches. Sometimes you need to be suspicious of the author. See, that's hard because for many of us, the Bible fell out of the sky whole and complete and God wrote it and it just, poof, and we say that is the inerrant, infallible word of God. There are no mistakes. There's no issues in it. There's no human intervention. It came straight from God. Now, if that is your belief, I'm not trying to challenge that belief. What I'm trying to offer today for all of us is another way of understanding that Somebody sat down and wrote Isaiah. Furthermore, it's not just one Isaiah. There's a first Isaiah, a second Isaiah, and a third Isaiah. Each one of those authors take place in a different time and are dealing with different issues. This Isaiah has a problem because he doesn't like the fact that people are not being just and kind and loving to the orphan and the widows. This Isaiah is right to say that God does not like injustice and that God wants us to be loving and kind to the widows and to the orphans. Where I would say Isaiah may have missed a mark is when he decided to say that the people of Judah were being punished because they were not issuing justice. Part of our issue and a lot of our suffering, we don't need to blame it on God. Isaiah is trying to lift up that all of the problems that they are going through in Judah is because they have not done right by God. It is fine to say we're going to push this off on God and blame God for it, but the reality is the reason Judah is getting destroyed is because another empire wants their land, wants their people, and wants to take it from them. And so if you do not have the power to fight back, in Isaiah's mind, he's thinking God is all-powerful. God can do all things. So if we are about to be overcome by somebody else, that means that God is punishing us. It's not church for babies today. Isaiah has a problem that many of us have. We don't want to own responsibility for our behavior, nor do we understand that other folks, sometimes their stories and their issues intervene in our life. Yanni was just in an accident. Drunk driver hit him. Now, if we went with Isaiah's logic, here's how this would go. I was hit by a drunk driver because I did something wrong yesterday. Do you see where I'm going with this? No, it's not that 
Yanni did something wrong the day before the accident or the hour before. What happened is Yanni was minding his business and somebody else was drunk in another car and hit him. That is what happened. God didn't send the drunk driver to hit him. Somebody else got in their car with their own stuff and decided to drive and hit him. God didn't punish him for doing something the other day or two hours before. See, instead of accepting responsibility and just saying, you know what, life is just crappy right now and bad things are happening, instead we say, oh, God is punishing me for something. What did I do wrong? It's silly, but we haven't advanced beyond Isaiah's mental capacity. We still run around blaming God for a lot of the problems and the issues that we have in our life when life itself is just tough. It's just hard. And that is where we are supposed to say, God, we put our faith and our trust in you, and we know that we may not always do the right thing, we may not always do the just thing, we may not always do the good thing, but God, show us how to be better and also help us to get through whatever it is we're going through. Understanding that God is not against you. God is for you. See, this grace walk experience is messing some of us up because we think, see, here's the other problem when it comes to grace. We want to manage everybody else's relationship with God. We, 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 we want to find a list of, of you, know, you, you know, you want to look at me and say, oh, I know what's wrong with you. Your voice a little too high, and you got a little the, the, the sway in your hips. I, I think I think I know what's wrong with you. Boy, God don't like that. I can tell you what. According to my therapist, I got a whole lot of other stuff wrong with me besides what you think is wrong with me. So while you the list of what I need to fix. I'm saying, I know I got other stuff I need to work on besides what you think is wrong with me. But if you would manage your own relationship with God and get out of mind, then we have something to talk about. This is not just a Christian problem. This is an American problem. As Americans, we love to get in everybody else's business and we don't want to deal with our own. We want to run all over the sea to go tell other folks how to do stuff and we can't even take care of the poor and the orphan and the widow. What what is sweep around your own front door before you try to sweep around mine? This scripture here may leave a lot of us still thinking that all of the trouble and the struggle in our life is somehow God's punishment and somehow God is, is trying to, you know, bring us to our knees so we can go to God. I mean, you know, there's a lot of theology around guilt, a lot of theology around trying to change people through guilt. Right. That's right. Has it worked? No. Why are we still doing it? And why are we doing it to ourselves? Whatever the malady is today in your body, whatever the malady is in your bank account, whatever the malady is up at that job, whatever the malady is over at your church, it is not God punishing you, but it is a great opportunity to say, I don't like it, 
I don't want it, but I trust God and God can help me to use this for something for my good and for God's glory. It is a great way to rise above the condition and the circumstance. That's all it is, is a condition and a circumstance. Unfortunately, our way of coping is to try to push blame onto somebody else. I've got some bad news. There's nobody to blame. It's just humans being humans. It's just drunk people getting in cars and driving and running into folks. It's just bad people with guns running up in churches and schools and all over the place doing bad things. It is not. Please, 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 if you don't get anything else, don't leave out of here blaming God for all the crazy in the world. It is not God. An objective look at things. Maya Angelou said, you may not control all the events that happen to you, but you can decide not to be consumed by them. You can decide not to be consumed by them. I know y'all have heard a lot about Santorini and our trip. And I think for now, today will be the last day for a while that you'll hear about Santorini. But I do have a word about grapevines. That's the name of the sermon. On Santorini, there's a grape, a grape. And it's, it's a varietal called, uh, let me make sure I get this right, Assyrtico. And this particular grape has learned, or been trained, I should say, to grow in Greece, in Santorini. Now, some of you have probably passed by different vineyards before, and you've, you've probably seen that the grapevines are spread out on trellises. They're spread out like this, and little grapes hang down, they're spread out on trellises. Well, in Santorini, because it's windy, and because it tends to be dry, and if you remember my sermon from three weeks ago, the ground has lots of minerals in it, but no organic mixture, it has lots of minerals in it. But because of these conditions, you cannot grow grapes on a traditional trellis in Santorini. In order to get you some good wine out of this grape in Santorini, what they had to do was to train the grapevines to grow in a circle in a basket-like fashion near the ground. This training method is called Kulara. This training method allows the grapes to take in the water in the rainy season. Remember I said it was volcanic ash? That volcanic ash takes the water and holds it until it's the dry season and somehow in between that grapevine and the volcanic ash and pumice, it knows to release and give up some of the water so that the grapevines can moisturize itself and have water and hydrate itself. Likewise, at night when the humidity comes in, that humidity settles on the ground and somehow the grapevine knows to extract that out of the ground later in the day when it's too dry. The salty spray that comes also gets stored in the volcanic rock in the pumice ash and somehow the grapevine knows to extract that water out to hydrate itself when it needs it. 
This particular method, as I said, is called Kulara. This method is adaptable to the condition under which these grapevines have to grow. These grapevines, these vineyard, uh, vineyard masters did not try to do what is done in California in Napa Valley to grow a vineyard. They worked with the condition and the situation under which they had to work with. You see, long times ago, they weren't able to import things, and so this method was developed 5,000-something years ago. There was no way to get wine from anywhere else, and so they said, we have a grape. We must learn how to work with the condition that we have. We can't change the condition we have. We can't move the island to close to California. We can't move the island close to Athens. We can't move the island to off the coast of Italy. All we have is what we have. Therefore, we have to grow these grapes under the conditions that we have. So instead of putting them on a trellis, we'll run them around in a basket and let's see how that will work out. The next time you find yourself in a situation in which you cannot manage the condition, in which the situation seems to be holding you down, you need to remember a word called kulara. <laughs> kulara, that word about training things in a way that you can overcome the situation and the condition. Stop blaming God for the condition and the situation. Stop blaming other people. The situation is just what it is. You need to learn how to kulara. You need to learn how to wrap that sucker around in a basket, run it low to the ground, and let it extract the hydration that you need. Is anybody in this place ready to kulara in here? I'm trying to get my kulara on right now. I didn't want to be in the fellowship hall. I didn't want to be hot nowhere. But hey, look at what I discovered. We can now do pop-up church. So I'm ready. I'm ready to Kalara. Somebody ought to be ready to Kalara up in here. I can trust God to get me through the thing I need to get through. I don't have to blame God. I don't have to blame anybody else. I don't have to blame you for the trouble you've caused me. All I'm going to do is put some Kalara on you. I'm going to just move on around you in a Kalara kind of way and not be stuck in suffering and stuck in stuff. I can get out of it. Kalara. Kalara. Emily Skye says, remember, perfection <laughs> does not exist. What you may see as flaws are what make you unique and amazing. You may think you don't have the ability to do something right now to serve God. You may think you don't have the know-how to make something happen. You may think that the job loss is the end of the road for you. You may think that the grief and the suffering you're going to, that there's not an end to it. You may think that the lack that you perceive in your life has been sent by God. But it is an amazing opportunity to say perfection does not exist. <laughs> it is a condition that I can work with because I'm a child of the living God. Yes. 
I will not be destroyed by this condition. I will not be destroyed by this situation. I'm just going to Kalara with you. That's what I'm going to do is just sit with God and figure out how to Kalara. John 15, 4. Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He or she or they who abide in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. <laughs> Whatever you're facing today, and whatever your struggle is, you may say, I don't know how to Kalara this thing. <laughs> I don't know how to work around this thing like those grapes in Santorini. But this is where I want to remind you, I said for you not to blame God for your situation because it's the perfect opportunity to turn to God yes. and to say, I just don't know. And if you, if you have to drop some curse words, go ahead and do that. I do that in my prayer. God not talk just like we right off a of Hartwick Road, off a of, uh, Little York and Homestead. We, we, go, we, we, go, we go right on in there and I tell him exactly what I think and what I want to do to the person that has me having to have to do a collar. And as soon as I show myself to God, God says, are you done? Are you ready? Are you, did you get it off your chest? Now what do you want to do? Instead of blaming God today for all of the suffering we have in our country, and instead of trying to find an individual to blame for all of the suffering we have in our country, or whatever suffering you have in your life, what about taking a moment to say, God, I don't like it, but I heard this sermon about Kulara. And I want to learn how I can work with my condition, how I can work with my situation to bring you glory yes. and to bring me some peace of mind. Amen? Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you.